Hello, and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. In this second series of Jam Presents, we play The Murder Game, a 2003 murder mystery reality TV show from the BBC. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of The Murder Game as Jason and I follow the journey of 10 investigators as they try to catch a killer in the fictional town of Blackwater. Each episode of The Murder Game is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode 6 now. In this episode, we go to an old people's home, celebrate Mel's birthday, and watch the vicar have an asthma attack. The Murder Game episode 6, it's changed for me completely. It's found his feet a lot more. It really it? has. Definitely. And I hate it when people say, oh, you have to watch a few episodes to get into it. This is definitely one of those shows you do need to watch a few episodes before you can say you're fully immersed or fully into it. We were reminded early on that there are still seven suspects remaining. And following the departure of Mervyn last week, only six investigators remain. They include Meryl, Mel, Nick, Andrew, Richard and Rory. Now, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point in the episode, but... The whole camp seems a lot more chill and a lot less hostile now Mervyn is gone. It was really good that he went last week. Well, definitely. You can you can definitely tell by everyone's attitude uh, just in the early stages of the episode yeah. that everyone's just enjoying it a lot more. And I think, I'm not sure if I mentioned it last time, but Mervyn did seem like a little bit of a ringleader to the others. Mm, you did, yeah. Weirdly. Last week, they uncovered a dark secret at Creeksey, the Wilmington household, where Mervyn and Andrew found a dead baby behind a secret panel in what was referred to as Alice's room. The day's events start with Meryl and Mel talking about Andrew's return. I can't believe Andrew came back. Oh, I know. I can't help being glad for the sake of the group, though. Oh, yeah. I think the atmosphere would have been horrendous. Andrew is completely shaken by the whole experience. If I didn't get to sleep till five o'clock this morning, because not because I was dreaming about it, because I was actually thinking about it. We mentioned last week that it was much better and scarier. That end game was a lot better. Uh, and it just goes to show that it has, in, in Meryl's words, really knocked the stuffing out of him. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've got in my notes, it's, it's really affected him. Yeah, it really has. And I thought maybe he's just put it on because he's been a few times. But no, I honestly think... Well, yeah, he, he sleeps in the day anyway, doesn't he? But he was particularly tired on this day because he hadn't slept that night. Yeah. Yeah, he actually, well, you might have to cut it in, but he actually asks, am I dead or alive? Am I dead or alive? At 9am, we have a morning briefing with Chief Bob. He shows that Mervyn, in his last will and testament, chose Rory to be the next lead investigator, much to Richard Sharrocks' dismay. Oh, man. He's trying to play it off as though it's a bad decision because Rory doesn't deserve the job. But you can actually tell that it's all about him thinking that he's going to be sent to his death. Richard is basically expecting yeah. to be sent to play the killer's game by Rory. And he's not happy about it at all. Well, I think we assumed that uh, Andrew... We did. We thought last week that Andrew is going to be the next lead investigator because they were close. But it's come from nowhere. It did make me laugh, though. At how much it upset Sharrocks. Yeah. Chief Bob tells him that the clue Andrew brought back last night was the necklace Catherine was wearing on the day of her murder. It's the peacock necklace from the portrait in the Wilmington house. Felicity had told us in the episode before about the key to the Alice room being the same as her mother in the portrait. The portrait is of Alice Wilmington, hence the room being named Alice's room. I, I love this like thread. It's great. The question is, why was this left as the killer clue? Meryl suggests that it proves that it's not about money because the necklace obviously has value. Mm -hmm. Chief Bobs tells us that they've also had the pathologist report on the dead baby. It was a newborn baby, full term, and is many years old. In that it's it's a newborn baby, but it's been there for a long, long time. It's not many years old and newborn. They say it's a newborn baby. And for pathologist, surely you could speculate how long it's been there, but no, dead many, many years. <laughs> I literally put it's a shame they don't tell us how many years. 
or like from decades ago. Yeah, she could be like, oh, this is like 50 years old, this baby. But I guess that adds to the mystery of it. But then it doesn't because later on, it it's not about like all the time. Was it the 80s? Was it the 50s? Mm-hmm. It was very much. Yeah, prove it's not. It was yeah. one of these two people. So mm-hmm. yeah, many years old. That was very funny. It's like, do your job. <laughs> The group suggests that the baby could be Alice's or Felicity's. Merrill adds that it may be that Catherine turns out to be a descendant of the Wilmingtons, which I thought was quite a solid theory, to be fair. Interview the Wilmingtons becomes track one. Three of them need to undertake this, and Rory appoints Mel, Richard and Merrill. The group also need to speak with Trevor. He's a builder and Anya's biological father. Track two is to talk with Trevor, as in the last episode, we were told at the wake by Tina and Vanessa that Anya was fearful of her father as he was threatening towards Catherine. Nick and Andrew make up team two. Before we uh, before we go out on the tracks, Jace, remember, suspect... No one. Everyone. <laughs> That's it. Did he, is that what he said? Trust. No one. No one. <laughs> Suspect no one, trust Trust everyone. everyone. (laughs) Remember, suspect everyone, trust no one. Before they leave, Nick says, you've got the intelligent team with Richard and Merrill. In the intelligent team, we have Merrill, who's very bright and very logical. And we've got Richard, who's very army. Yeah, I can say Nick can see the groups. He, he can see the divides. Yeah, happen. and we've spoken about that before. You've got middle of the road, which is Mel and Nick, there to have fun, but also take it semi-seriously. Mm. And then he called them the don't give a bugger team <laughs> <laughs> in Andrew and Rory. But it's, yeah, it's been written all over it. We've seen that from the start. Yeah, yeah. And then the people that don't give a bugger team. This is great because then Nick is paired with Andrew. <laughs> He's gutted, isn't he? Yeah. (laughs) And they show a sped up version of the morning at HQ where Nick's reviewing his paperwork and Andrew's just made himself a bed on the sofa. I thought, lazy bastard. And then I realised it's because he hadn't slept the night before. Yeah, but then he's like, there's a few nights now, isn't it? What's that, his third time he's been out? Yeah. But you think he's been out three times and I don't think you're coming back and sleeping much, are you? They must be getting back at midnight, one o'clock. Yeah, especially not him. He's terrifying, isn't he? Yeah. His heart must be racing for days after. So track one, Mal, Merrill and Richard head over to see the Wilmingtons. Since their house is now a crime scene, they're staying in the local hotel. We see Jennifer and her husband downstairs and Jay with Felicity in the bedroom. They say Felicity is Jay's aunt. I was so confused, right? So I'm going to bring this up now. I did a little bit of work on this. In episode three, we are told that Jennifer Wilmington, mother of Jay Wilmington, lives in Creeksea Place. This is the grand house that we see from early on and contains a dead baby within the secret room. This place is now a crime scene, so they're staying in the hotel. Tony Wilmington is the elderly owner of the house. His sister is Felicity and Tony's wife is Jennifer. So that's why it's sort of Jennifer's house is because she's the wife. Okay, yeah. Tony is the owner of the house, even though Felicity's older. I don't know if that's some old fashioned thing that it gets handed down to the, the man or if it's just one of those that... He had more money. They probably didn't write that narrative, but it's strange that Felicity's older and yet Tony owns the house. But anyway, Felicity is the sister-in-law to Jennifer, hence Jay's aunt. Had to clear that up because it was bothering me so much. As you know, two of our special investigators um, went into your property. They found the skeleton of a baby. What? Mel blew it today when she walked in and the first opening line um, to the Wilmingtons was, do you know that there's a dead baby in your, in your attic? 
Richard is upset because Mel opened up questioning to the Wilmingtons with the dead baby. Fantastic. It's so it's cross, isn't it? <laughs> it's literally one of my favourite bits because the, the one thing she didn't have to do and she did it. He said, yeah, he literally says, we talked about it and we said don't open with it. And the first thing she did when she sat down was... So, dead baby, what were you saying? <laughs> it's brilliant. Brilliant highlight of my of the episode for me. This bit. Jennifer claims to know nothing about it. Eventually, they get access to interview Felicity. They need to spot any inconsistencies in her story. Mel goes in to ask questions, but Richard butts in. Felicity says that she was 14, the year after her mother died. One day she felt a terrible pain in her stomach and she had given birth. She put the baby in the cupboard in her mother's room. She says the baby was premature, but we know that this can't be the case because we remember earlier in the episode that they mentioned that the baby was full term. term. Yeah. I don't know how they're not picking this stuff up. And I put so much for a hidden test. This is way too easy. Yeah. And then I put, wait, none of them actually picked this up. No, I know. What? As soon as, as, soon as Felicity said it, I was like, well, oh, that's a lie. But on their way out, they're so cocksure. Even Richard says, I, I think it's a very straightforward case of... We know it's Felicity's baby. She's admitted it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're 14. What are you going to do? Your dad's going to give you a good eye and otherwise. But they completely missed the fact that she was lying. Yeah. Anyway, they're all completely fooled. Richard's that cocky. He even rings Rory to say the baby is definitely Felicity's. Rory reads them the post-mortem report when they get back to HQ. And they begin to realise they really screwed up. And I was loving it at this point. Mel's having a bit of a play fight with Rory. And Richard says it's sexual chemistry. He also claims that she's positioning herself to not get voted. Now Mervyn's out the equation. Nick picks up on this too. Honestly, she could just be really happy for once because Mervyn's not there. Yeah, I think that she's quite suppressed in the other episodes yeah. because of the, the ongoing hassle. I think she'll be even happier when Richard leaves. Yeah. Anyway, on to track two. Before Nick and Andrew can head out to meet Trevor, we see a cutaway to the vicarage where Tina Wells hears a noise at the front door. We see, keep mouth your shut, painted on the walls. It's a bit like the sign in The Walking Dead. Don't dead open inside. It's meant to be keep your mouth shut, but the way it's been written, it reads keep mouth your shut. Someone's broken into the vicarage. She calls HQ to tell Rory, Nick and Andrew to send someone over to investigate. They arrive at the vicarage and Tina says Roger isn't very well. He starts coughing to show that he's ill. It's like putting on a croaky voice, isn't it, when you phone in sick to work? No, until we suddenly heard something banging and that's when I came down and I left Roger upstairs. This is not very well. And I came in and I looked up and I saw that. You have to prove it, Rog. Come on, mate, we believe you. Yeah. Since the other investigators are at the Wilmingtons right now, surely we can rule them out as suspects for this break-in. I don't know if the two line up, but we know that they've gone over to see the Wilmingtons and therefore mm. Jennifer, Jay are at that house. So how can they be doing the deed at the vicarage? Yeah. They don't talk in that much detail, but I'm sure that's the case. But anyway, I guess it, it doesn't mean that the person that broke in is the person that committed the murder. Anyway, Tina says she's still getting cold calls. Did you see that? Uh, it seems like uh, uh, Andrew's, well, first off, Nick's doing a lot, isn't it? For, for once. Because yeah. Meryl's not there. So Nick's He's doing... not digging, so Nick's doing yeah. the work. So Nick's doing the lot. Andrew just seems to be trying it on with Tina. Yeah, he's smooth talking. He is smooth talking. Oh, this is your cat? Yeah, it's funny. I think it's one of those ones where he's like, ah, if I just keep talking and it seems like I'm doing something, but I'm not actually doing anything. Also, you see Nick take a sample of the paint. Yeah. It just kind of flakes off in his hand. It's, it's just like a big chunk just falls off the wall. I'm like, what? <laughs> I had to watch it again. I was like, what is going on? I don't get it. Still don't get it now. It's just vinyl stickers that they got printed Yeah, no, off, it does. That's what it looks like. It does honestly look like that. Rory back at HQ decides he wants a mid-morning nap. And that's fantastic. I just wish he'd missed a phone call as a result. And if you were the writers, you would be like, right, now, put a phone call in and just see. Just see if he picks up. And if he doesn't, we'll make it like... We'll make it into a... A thing later on. Hey, Rory, you missed a phone call. <laughs> 
That's my bob. The other thing I should mention is when when Andrew is smooth talking, he finds out that Roger's not very well. He's got asthma. That comes into play a bit later on. Nick and Andrew now need to confront Trevor Doby and find out why he's been threatening Catherine. Rory rings them on the way to say that Trevor had called Catherine just minutes before she was attacked. And yet the other day they had phone records, which showed that only George Howick had made a phone call. So how are they finding that out now? A few inconsistencies that we've picked up in this show now, but whatever, go with it. That said, no one back in 2003 was spending two hours on each episode and writing 3,000 words. Watching watch it through 360p quality. <laughs> on YouTube. On YouTube, compressed. Trevor lives in an annex at Creeksea and apparently... There is a key visual clue to pick up on here. You know, I, I put, I hope it's an open tin of green paint in it, or his hands are covered in green paint. Imagine. Trevor says that he rang Catherine because he felt that he'd let her down on her place where he was fixing the roof and the gutter in. He is shady, man. That is, he pulled that out of his ass. That was rubbish. <laughs> Andrew spots the photo of the Wilmington house on the wall. The photo is identical to the one left by the killer. So we see both Felicity and Tony in the photograph with Trevor's mum, Dorothy, and Charles, who is presumably the father of Felicity and Tony, husband to Alice. Dorothy turns out to be the maid to the Wilmingtons. Nick and Andrew leave with the new information about the photograph, but have forgotten to ask him about his threatening behaviour towards Catherine. It's great because both teams return to HQ, elated, thinking that they'd had a really good day and that they'd yeah. spotted visual clues and found things out. But actually, Sharrox and co. didn't pick up on the fact that Felicity was uh, said that she had a premature baby when it was clearly full term. And Nick and Andrew forgot the fundamental reason as to why they were going on their track. This, I don't get it. Like, they obviously know what they're going in for. And like, surely on the way there, they be, like they'd be briefing themselves like what do we actually want from this conversation and then they get there be like oh shiny photo <laughs> they just completely forgot back at hq they discuss their findings dorothy trevor's mom was made to the wilmingtons the necklace that was recovered by andrew has been analyzed and worth around six to eight grand with only one stone of any value the group say well it's not the necklace then which suggests at one point they were told about the real value of the necklace have i missed that or was that not shown i don't think that was shown because as far as i was concerned an eight grand necklace that's still worth a lot of money i thought that would have been the necklace but they must have realized that it was actually worth tens of thousands or hundreds yeah. of thousands or something yeah. at this time tina is putting out the bins again she's always putting out the bins really aggressively i bet as well <laughs> Don't touch me! <laughs> Don't touch my bins! <laughs> She's putting out the bins again, and we catch a glimpse of someone in the bushes. She rings HQ for help. Again, echoes of Murder in Small Town X, where Mary Elizabeth wanted to be protected. I like this, though. I like yeah, this. Yeah, I love this. Nick and Andrew are sent by Chief Bob to protect Tina. One of them needs to stay by her side at all costs. The other needs to stay in a car outside. Don't let her out of your sight. Tina had remembered a box that Catherine gave her for safekeeping. Tina's husband, Roger, the vicar, is unwell in bed. And this screams of C.R. Flint from Murder in Small Town X. It was scene for scene. You know, it was exactly the same. It's incredible. Andrew's going to stay by her side. Nick is going to be the watchman outside the entrance to her house. Tina says that she's been holding on to this box for weeks. The contents didn't mean a lot, but Catherine was apparently working on it in prep for her sister's wedding. They do have a nice chat about cats. Where's your cat today? Oh, I don't know. They're out somewhere. How many have you got? I've got two. Have you? We only saw one earlier. Where's it? Oh, the other one was probably out and about. Oh. What are they called? They're called Flora and Franny. Oh. We cut back to HQ and we find out it's Mel's birthday tomorrow and Rory comments on her not getting a birthday shag. Paddy, you can't get out, can you? Mm. Oh, well. No birthday shag either. <laughs> 
it goes back to the vicarage and Tina gets a phone call and Andrew has to stay by her side at all times. There are eight messages on Tina's answer phone, but Andrew doesn't pick up on that. We then go back to HQ again and they're talking about waxing and Meryl comments on how the young ones are all talking sex. Well, at the moment with the two young ones, it seems to be sex and all sorts. She calls it toilet talk and I suppose she just referenced bottoms. Well, my mother always used to say, oh God, we're on the toilet talk again. It always ends in bottoms and things. Mel says that Rory hasn't quite hit puberty. Any comments? Still shooting spod water. <laughs> <laughs> Meryl's not impressed, but she's still having a good giggle, isn't she? Cuts back to Tina Wells's place then. And back at the vicarage, Andrew asks Tina if he can have a cuppa. Nick's a bit bored outside as there's no action. Andrew and Tina hear noises upstairs in the house. Roger's having an asthma attack. <laughs> and this is the same, man. This is C.R. Flint in Murder in yeah. Small Town X. Yeah. Exactly the same. Andrew's left nursing the vicar. I think he's got a, like a chokehold on him or something because Andrew cannot get out of that situation. Roger, help me. No, just let go a minute. To be fair to him, Andrew is really trying to get out of yeah. Roger's grasp. <laughs> Roger's just holding on for dear life. You can see the fear in Andrew's eyes that he knows shit shit tina's gone and then you just hear all this kerfuffle and screams and even with the screams roger's still holding on to andrew <laughs> like if i heard my wife scream and i was an asthma attack you're not gonna hold on to someone are you? andrew's left holding on to the vicar well, the vicar's holding on to andrew and tina faces the killer andrew is now bricking it as he calls nick back into the house nick starts looking around shouting for tina like really she's not coming back from this yeah. Isn't the amount of Mate, blood? there's blood everywhere the door is wide <laughs> open Tina! So back at HQ, they discuss, and Sharrocks is trying to tell them where they went wrong. Sharrocks. Like, oh, what did you what did you learn about in your, your physical restraint training? So is this what you expect Andrew to knee a man having an asthma attack in the face yeah. to, to get away? Yeah, brilliant. I would have loved to have seen Sharrocks in that situation though. Can you imagine if he did? He just it just choke slams Roger back to the bed. <laughs> But then Rory does take the piss out of Richard later on with Andrew. And Andrew is incredible, saying that Richard should be in charge of the UN because he's a know-it-all. He says that he also doesn't get on with Meryl because she lives in the Cotswold and strikes him as being a bit of a snob. I've got that Meryl says, that's a fail, when she says about Tina being dead. That's a fail. They analyse the contents of the box that Tina brought to Andrew's attention. Richard finds a dictaphone. Have you ever used a dictaphone? Yes, I have, yeah. I just use my finger. <laughs> Yeah, I knew that was a stupid question. Um, I felt fell into the trap. Worth it, worth it. <laughs> they are are about whether or not they should play the tape, and Richard tells them that they shouldn't be playing recorded things. It needs to be bagged. Andrew is tired and hungry. They make like a real thing about Andrew being tired and hungry. And Meryl has a good giggle that Andrew's played the killer's game three times and none of the remaining investigators have been out yet. Andrew's not impressed. Actually, nobody here has except Andrew. <laughs> No, no, I've also done it. And <laughs> <laughs> you've done it for three of us. At this point, I can't believe this is only the end of the first day. Like, I know. There was yeah. so much that went on. Rory holds the evening briefing. Before he can get started, the chief turns up to find out about the Tina incident. What's the chief doing in the day? <laughs> He's not helping this, is he? <laughs> He's really not. As they discuss, he gets a phone call from the boys who responded to a call from a local farmer who has reported a disturbance. They've got sniffer dogs out, and Team 1, Mal, Richard and Merrill need to go and find Tina, or presumably what's left of her. They arrive, and it's kicking right off at the farm. The investigators find Tina's body in what looks like a grain silo. They head back to HQ, and we are told that they missed a blood-covered calling card from the killer. R real body? Yes, I think so. I don't think this is like Murder in Small Tannix, where they used props. I think that was probably the actress that plays Tina Wells with a few stab wounds on her. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no, I think I think it was real, yeah. So firstly, look, I'm really pleased that someone else has been killed and it fits in with the narrative that Tina knew too much, hence the cold calls and whatnot. Secondly, I'm amazed at this point how much the teams have screwed up today. And I think that's just going to show how much harder it is, especially considering how easy it was last week where they had to sort of work out witness statements and things like mm-hmm. that. It was just far too easy, wasn't it? The next morning, it's Chief Bob's briefing. He's fuming. Tina is dead. What have you got to say for yourselves? At least she's not a suspect anymore. That's good news. The sniffer dogs picked up the scent of a pig's heart with a knife through it, which was that calling card we just mentioned, along with some photos of where they will play the killer's game later in the show. Chief Bob blames Andrew and Nick for Tina's death. They missed the messages on the answer phone, but Chief Bob has recovered them. Of course he has. We listen in to some of the threatening messages left by Dean Garrity. Not looking good for him right now. At the wake, Tina was slagging Dean off to Merrill, and that could be why Dean was threatening her. As in, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's the killer. It could have just been a separate set of events. Merrill shows that, again, she's really switched on to all of what's going on. They discussed the box that Tina received from Catherine with the family tree and dictaphone. Apparently, it's a Wilmington family tree. The tape from the dictaphone has been copied, and they listen to it. We hear an old lady talking about Creeksy, saying that she wasn't happy there. Catherine was talking to Dorothy, Trevor's mother, the maid. And again, Richard Sharrocks, he's got that look on his face and he folds his arms when he says something really smart. And he's like, yeah. well, you can, tell that it's, you can tell that it's a nursing home because someone mentioned the bad back and some tablets and stuff. State the obvious, mate. Meryl suggests that she was talking about the baby. Could it have been Dorothy's baby? Mel comes up with the best theory yet. What if Trevor's mum was pregnant to the old owner of the house, Charles Wilmington. Trevor is now definitely my number one suspect. So as of last week, I thought Trevor might be in on it with Jennifer or something like that. And I think Trevor's going to be the likely Yeah, I think he's, he's massively within the hmm. top few potential killers. They are asked about the lines of inquiry from the day before. There is doubt amongst the camp in Team 1, as mm-hmm. they thought Felicity was telling the truth until they read the PATH report and heard Dorothy on the dictaphone. Team 2 are reprimanded as they didn't confront Trevor about Catherine feeling threatened by him. They need to go back and ask him about that today, followed by a visit to Dean to find out why he was threatening Tina and his whereabouts last night. As the teams leave, Rory sneaks off for another power nap. And I love how he's playing all this. He's just the laziest, isn't he? Like, well, Andrew's pretty lazy as well, but Rory just could not give a shit. Track one, finally after listening to the dictaphone, Merrill, Mal and Richard come to the conclusion that Felicity is lying. Like, yes, no shit. It's obvious. Mel thinks that Felicity stole and killed the baby. Oh my God. (laughs) She went dark very quickly. That is really dark. Yeah. Richard rings around the care homes to find Dorothy. Nick has seen in a cutscene saying that Richard doesn't gel well with the group and is still on his high horse from when he was the leader in the first week. Merrill says that Richard is intense and wants to prove himself. Richard sits in Roy's chair and often talks over him. I think it's fair to say that he's taking it way, way, way too seriously. He's basically the moniker of the group, isn't he? In that mm-hmm. He's the one friend that you wouldn't want to play board games with. Richard says that Rory is a shit choice to be the leader. It suggested quite a bit that Rory will be sending Richard on the killer's game later on. They eventually head off to see Dorothy at the care home. The care home tell the group that Dorothy passed away a few weeks ago. They have a chap called Arthur who may be able to help, but they need to remember the date on the dictaphone. And I've put, I'm sure it was the 14th for the 10th, and there's no way that Richard is going to forget this. Yeah, I, as soon as I saw it, I remembered it. Arthur tells them more about Dorothy. Apparently she didn't have any happy memories about working at Creeksy. And that's all we find out there. I thought, I said that um, Meryl is really good here. 
She's yeah. very good at talking. Well, thank you. You've been very, very helpful. Very Track two, Rory gives Nick and Andrew shit as they leave. It's actually quite funny. I think it was Mervyn who was bringing the whole team down before. I, I do laugh along with, you know, the banter between them, Nick, Andrew and, and Rory now. They go to speak with Trevor. They can't tell him who reported the abusive behaviour. He flat out denies it. And that's that. And hang on a minute, we're no further forward than we were yesterday. Mm -hmm. They failed to get a vital clue. And then he calls them back and asks them if it's to do with being Anya's dad. And he says that Catherine told Trevor that Jay was the father. Oh, Trevor didn't know that he was the father and always thought it was Jay. They now go to see Dean Garrity. This is brilliant. I love it. Does Dean have an alibi for last night? They also need to look for some evidence that will tell them about his whereabouts. Nick is straight to the point, but they get nothing from him. And I put Nick isn't actually as good as I thought he was. No. I take it they could have looked at his emails to prove this his whereabouts. It. And I've got here that, and obviously Bob goes a bit crazy later on about you should have took his laptop. And I sort of side with the investigators here that like there's no reason to take his laptop. Back at HQ, they celebrate Mal's birthday. She's 22. Apparently she speaks about it all the time and we see so many clips. It's my birthday tomorrow. It's my birthday tomorrow. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. The thing is, they, they say it's like annoying, but like... like Mate, I put, I love a good celebration. I'd be the same. Especially in this circumstance. Yeah, what I mean? else are you celebrating? Exactly. What else are you celebrating? Also, she's, it's like they can't remember being that age, but it's just like, let her celebrate it. You know, she's, and obviously she's has been quite down in the dumps in the last yeah. few days. Although I do think fair play, it plays into her favour, doesn't it? Because you can't have a party. You're not, not just send her out on her birthday. Yeah, you're not going to get sent out on your birthday party, surely. That's what I put. Mm. They've been preparing for it behind her back. I think that's really nice that they've been doing some surprise planning and stuff. And Andrew writes her a poem from a secret admirer being George Howick. And that is so funny. <laughs> Good. Andrew marks the occasion by penning a poem from one of Mel's secret admirers. <laughs> Mel's so sexy, Mel's so sweet. To sleep with you would be such a treat. Your eyes, your lips, your breasts divine. Perhaps tonight you will be mine. Love What's that? Josh Allen? <laughs> also, I thought it was quite funny. And I don't think they obviously didn't cut in the fourth conversation. But why is Meryl talking to, I think he's talking to Andrew about cakes she says oh this is a victorian sponge yeah so i put that despite the group having fun there's massive tension yeah it's like is he slagged her yeah uh, even i know that's a victoria sponge Mate, like... what farmer doesn't know about cake? <laughs> surely surely and rory's called out for being selfish because he says he doesn't like cake he's still proper toxic isn't it but what's, what's the best line of the episode though is coming up when mel puts on birthday hats and then she puts uh, two more pointed birthday hats over uh, over her breasts and then Meryl says like Madonna and then she starts singing like a virgin and then Meryl goes yeah some hope <laughs> <laughs> yeah Meryl calls her out yeah it's brilliant so good like a virgin <laughs> Some hope. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy that, that, that even like when we mentioned at the start of the episode that it does seem better, but they still aren't a team at all. No. There's so and, many and divides. Yeah, there is. And look, Rory and Meryl have got beef. And I didn't know that until this episode. And so Nick comments that actually it's more that Rory doesn't like Richard. And because Meryl is so close to Richard, he doesn't mm. like her by association. And they're both terrified that Rory's going to send them to their death. At least it, by the time it comes to the party, they're all having a fun time. Meryl's being a prude again. And Richard just looks miserable. He just doesn't yeah, he look does. like he's getting involved at all. He, he doesn't look fun. He's, it seems so socially awkward, doesn't he? But it's, it's so weird in the whole group now as well. And Nick just calls it, absolutely, he said, it's unpredictable. Mm -hmm. 
it's on to the pass or fail game with Chief Bob. Team one, Meryl, Richard and Mal get praised for calling out that Felicity was lying about the baby. No, it took them fucking long enough. It took it? them two days. It's not It's not like Felicity was talking and they're like, hang on, love, we know it's not true. They should have failed that. I, I agree, yeah. They then get praised for the chat that they had with Arthur. I did I did love the episode. I really loved this episode, but I just hated that they passed. Mm-hmm. Although, to be fair, I only hated that they passed because Richard's in that team. If it was just Meryl and, and Mel, I'd be buzzing for them. I'd be well pleased. <laughs> team two, Andrew and Nick. We can already see where this is going. They noticed the photo at Trevor's house and Andrew's praised for spotting it. They failed, however, on not getting Dean's computer. I really like the fight that Nick puts up to Chief Bob here. Yes. Because he defends himself. He's and got he's... a question. And, and, and I've just said... I agree with Nick. There's no reason to take Dean's laptop. No. If anything, I'd be critical of Nick. I would have been like to Dean, right, shut your laptop and talk to me because he seemed very distracted. Do you know what I mean? He, d- he didn't even make eye contact with Nick. And, yeah. you know, that, that annoyed me. But there's no reason to take his laptop. Ultimately, Chief Bob had to send the boys in to get it. They had a look at the computer. And I know it was 18 years ago, but apparently emails are now a way of verifying your whereabouts. Regardless, Dean is eliminated as a suspect because he was working in the showroom last night and also sent an email on the night of Catherine's death. Team 2, therefore, failed their line of inquiry and are up for the vote. Oh, and the fact that Tina died, there's another big reason why they oh, failed as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll give them that one then. With Dean out the picture, we now only have five suspects remaining. It comes to the group vote. Really, it only matters, doesn't it, who Mel, Merrill, and Richard vote for, as Andrew and Nick are obviously going to vote for each other. Mel votes for Andrew, Merrill votes for Andrew, and Richard votes for Nick. And I, like, I knew that was coming from a mile off. It's, it's ridiculous. Nick obviously votes for Andrew and Andrew votes for Nick. It's the way it is. Andrew takes it in jest. Chief Bob asks him how he felt they did. And Andrew's in good spirits and saying, yeah, we we didn't perform well. You know, we'll take it. Andrew is voted for by the group. And I fear he may just have a heart attack when he plays the killer's game, whether he dies to the killer or not. Rory gets to choose the second person to play the killer's game. And I've put, please be Richard. Rory chooses Meryl. And you know what? I've put fair play and the reason i've put fair play is because he stands up and he says uh, my nomination this week is a tactical vote and i'm going to nominate who i feel is the strongest person in the group and that is merle and he's completely honest he says i am voting tactically i respect the fact he's been honest and he said it's tactical and it's not being sneaky and he's you know it's out. and everyone knows now and i think it's mentioned later near the end of the episode that he set a president for this game now that it is now a game but it seems to be one of these ones where she is the one of the better one. Like actually, she's probably the best investigator they've got. Yeah. So he has to get rid of her. Mm. Where I feel like murder in small town X, you had your Allens, your angels, they weren't getting voted for. No, not at all. Not at all. And the troublemakers are staying in. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. It's not going to serve Rory well in the long run, is it? No. It's not. And Richard dodged a massive bullet here because if this was me, well, you know my feelings on Richard. I've expressed them quite a lot, but I'm surprised that Rory didn't see Richard as a, not a double threat, but it's very much that. He, play, he plays sides. He plays Playing the game, but also he's a dick. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's who I'd have got rid of. Did you did you pick up what, what Andrew said to Chief Bob when he went to vote? What Andrew said? Sorry for the murder, Chief. <laughs> Yes, he does. And and Chief Bob's response, these things happen. Yeah. <laughs> At this point I've put imagine if Andrew comes back again, it'd be amazing. Do you know I thought that? I thought yeah. what is And I don't I don't necessarily like Andrew that much, but it would just be really it's funny because it's the fourth time in a row. Yeah. yeah. Meryl is going to the old docks and Andrew going to the dark woods. Good luck. 
I think you are going to need it. Andrew mentions the law of averages and realises it's probably curtains for him this time. Richard is fuming at Rory for playing a tactical game, calling it disgusting. It's disgusting if he votes Merrill and gives a bullshit reason. Yeah, he, he honestly it? said, I'm getting rid of the the best player to give us all more a chance. Yeah, but if he said, oh, I'm voting for Merrill because she doesn't bond with the team no, very well. Exactly, because then that would have been bullshit. Much like Mervyn and Sam. That mm-hmm. was that was disgusting. If anything, that was completely wrong. Anyway, they head to their locations. Both get blindfolded. What? Why? Yeah, I didn't realize. That. Didn't the other time? Did they? No. And, and why? Why did they blindfold them? I don't understand. Yeah, I still don't get that. We see the grainy footage, and I put, is that a dead dog in Andrew's clip? It turns out to be sheep. I think he's got mutilated bodies and sheep and all sorts in his. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's actually really scary again, and I'm thinking Andrew might genuinely collapse. At this point, though, if I've if I've watched, if I was part of that production crew and I've watched Andrew come back, if he's going out again I'm like right run down the butchers get as much shit as you can I've put, I'm convinced it's Meryl returning and then God almighty <laughs> Andrew is back although we now have a huge issue on our hands well this was my train of thought at the time Meryl might vote for Richard to be the next lead fingers crossed though she chooses Mel because she's a woman and they're going to partner together or Andrew because he's not been lead investigator yet and I've put wait they literally show us immediately Next time, Meryl chooses Nick. That's I like the anticipation. I like being yeah. able to predict that. Yeah, so I, I I thought that as well when it was going when when um, Andrew come back and obviously you've seen how shook up he was and how he got Andrew is extremely he, shook he, up. He, he says about um, uh, spending a month in bed with page three girls is not worth it. It's not worth it. If I had two million pounds and won it, was on every chat show under the sun, <laughs> had a world cruise. And I had to spend a month in bed with page three girls. It would not be worth it. <laughs> Before we do predictions, we see that next time, along with Nick being the next lead investigator, we also see Andrew getting marooned on what seems like George's Island and what looks like Goldie being kidnapped and held to ransom. With that in mind, we only have six investigators remaining, five suspects. But if Goldie is being kidnapped, we can assume that's probably by the killer. Yeah. So that might mean there's only probably four potential people that could be the killer now. We've got Jay, Jennifer, Trevor, and George. Obviously with Goldie, but if Goldie's the one being kidnapped. So out of Jay, Jennifer, Trevor, and George, I, I'm sure it's Trevor. If you go if you go Trevor, I'll go with Jay. But I, I am I'm with you on the Trevor yeah. speculation. So. It might just be one of those that we have different people like we did for Murder in Small Towns yeah, yeah, just yeah, to see what yeah. happens. I think so, yeah. As for the winner of the show, I still absolutely want Mel to win. I've previously said Mel or Meryl, but no, I definitely want Mel. And Nick's dropped down a little bit for me now because Nick isn't as good. No, he's not as good as he but, was but, earlier in the series. But you know, he's the best of a bad bunch. Yeah, I still wouldn't be that disheartened if he did win. No, I yeah. don't want Rory to win. No. I definitely don't want Richard Sharrocks to win. I would mm. definitely rather have Rory win than Richard Sharrocks. We won't predict who's the next lead investigator. We know that Nick is the next lead investigator. But who will Nick be sending to his death? And this is where I think you've got your... You already think that Andrew won't be going. No, I think Nick's too much a wet blanket that he will... The fact that Andrew's now been out four times oh. will, sway, will sway Nick's opinion. Well, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It'd just be like, you're going. I mean, right. granted, the group, the group might vote him to go anyway. I was going to say the anyway. group might end up voting him, yeah. But in my opinion, Andrew just still needs to go. It doesn't matter. But I feel that if the group votes for Rory, which they could easily do, then I think Nick might bottle it and be like, oh, Andrew's been out four times already. Rich, Richard, you're going. I hope that's the case. If you're still with us, thanks for listening. Come and tell us what you think. We're at Presents Jam on Twitter. Join us again next time as we see Andrew and Richard stranded on George's Island and attempt to save Goldie from a kidnapper. <laughs>